We've been going through a series called Ambassadors, uh, looking at how we are ambassadors for Christ. As those who've been reconciled to God, now we carry the message of reconciliation to those around us. And in going through the series, we've looked at what we have in Jesus Christ. We've looked at the fact that, well, we started out as sinners. But then this incredible truth that we are loved by God. God sent his son to die for us. That we are forgiven. How incredible it is that we are forgiven and can be in relationship with God. That we are adopted Included in the family of God, not just an idea, but a reality of being adopted into God's family. Praise the Lord for that. This morning, uh, we're going to be looking at what it means that we have the privilege to be servants of the, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And I think it's cool. I didn't plan this, of course. You know, it just works out this way. But on Veterans Day, we'd be talking about what it means to be a servant. Uh, what an example of people who have gone and given the ultimate price. Those, uh, even, even on a daily basis in service, know what it is to show up and, and be, have the discipline and obedience to their authorities to, to do what is told them without question and to follow direction without question. Boy, I think there's something we can learn about that as we show up every morning before the throne of God in prayer and say, Lord Jesus, I'm here reporting for duty. <laughs> Boy, how much we can learn. Let's commit this morning to prayer. Father, thank you for your word, God. Thank you for the incredible grace that we have, your grace in our lives. God, your, your mercy that would love us even while we were sinners. God, that you would that you would invite us into your family, into a relationship with you. God, it is our privilege to serve you. Help us see, God, your plan and your purpose and what it means to be a servant of God. Lord, we trust your Holy Spirit will show us from your word what you have for us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've been going through in, in this process, uh, including some memory verses. I hope you've been able to commit some of those to memory. We kept it simple. They're all in Romans. You don't, you don't have to think about which book it is. You just got to remember the numbers, which I'm terrible at remembering numbers. So if that's a difficulty for you, uh, I'm right there with you. We started with Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then it's, we kind of threw it in there as an extra memorization Peace. Romans 6.23. It's easy to remember if you remember Romans 3.23, 6.23. What is that? That's the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And then we this wonderful verse about the love of God towards us. In Romans, Romans 5.8. <laughs> but God showed his love, or if you're in a different version that I memorize, God demonstrates his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then last week, we added in, in into the progress. If you're going to go through this progress with someone showing them the gospel, a good one that's next, to show them, what do I need to do to be saved? And we see that in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. It says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
I want to look at this one for a moment. There's two things there. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. The context of this is Paul, uh, he has gone back and, well, he's, he's just finished proving that Christ uh, replaces, faith in Christ replaces obedience to the law. He's, he's shown that up to that point. And he goes back and he quotes from Deuteronomy, uh, which is this book that's, that's really, it's a covenant that Moses, right before the Israelites are going to go into the promised land, draws up this covenant between God and the people of Israel, saying, if you obey these things, you will have blessing. If you disobey them, you will have curse. And, and what he's saying in there is, it, it's, it's easy, it's right there for you to do. I've given it to you to do, you can do it. It's, it's, it's in your mouth, it's in your heart to do. Do these things Follow this law and you will have blessing. Well, we know the story. They still dealt with sin. It's like we deal with sin. But then, but then Paul goes through and he shows how since Christ, faith in Christ now replaces obedience to the law, he can go and take that, what Moses was saying there, and put in place of, of doing the words of the law with having faith in Christ. And so that's what the context of this is. If you turn with me to Romans um, chapter 10. Uh, we'll look at the verses around that. Sorry, Romans chapter 9. No, 10. Boy, see, I told you. Numbers and references for me. Oh, if you're in the right book, then it's in the right part of the page. I, one of the reasons I like to use a paper Bible is I do remember where on the page things are. And so I look for that spot, and it's not there. You're in the wrong book, David. All right. All right, there we go. Okay. God uses anyone. And in our weaknesses, he shows his strength. Praise the Lord when my weakness is shown because his glory is greater. All right, uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 8. So he's quoting from what Moses was saying. What does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. But instead of being this word of the law that you can do, what is this word? That is the word of faith that we proclaim. So everything in this next Verse is the word of faith. It's, it's this expression of faith in Jesus Christ in place of obedience to the law. That's what he's talking about here. And Christ isn't, isn't far off that we need to go bring him in in order to be able to have faith in him. He is right there for us to have faith. And so then in verse 9, it says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's two parts here. Believing in my heart that God raised him from the dead and confessing with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And he explains them further in verse 10. He says, for with the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. So that first part, believing, what does it mean to believe in my heart? This isn't just that, that shallow, casual form of belief like 
We, we might believe, oh, I think my team's going to win this year. Or, or, or these things that come and go that, that we believe. No, this is, this is that deep set belief that drives what we, what we act on, what we do in our life. And when someone comes to understand the truth of what we have in Jesus Christ and, and their eyes are open to that belief, it fundamentally changes their view of the world around them. And why does it say uh, to believe uh, that Christ was raised from the dead, that God raised him from the dead? If you, if you think about the context that this is written in, most of the people reading this would have known a time when Christ was alive. If you think about it, the way we deal with current events, and there's, there's people that claim to be one thing or another, and then they would have at least heard about Christ's crucifixion. And so now... To believe that this Jesus, who claimed so many things, these radical things, that was crucified then, has been raised from the dead, is to believe everything that he taught and stood for. It is the symbol of genuineness to say, yes, this was the Son of God. Yes, when he said that we needed to repent, that, that we are sinful before God, that that was true. And so the fullness of what Christ represented as, as, as coming to the earth, not to condemn the world, but to save the world, and the message that he carried is true. So if I believe this, this Jesus was raised from the dead, I'm believing everything he claimed. And so when we believe in our heart, that's fundamentally what we're, what we're believing, we're realizing. It's, it's both tragic and wonderful at the same time because I'm believing the reality that, yes, there is one creator God. That is true. It's like it's dawning on me in my life that, that all of this really is true, fundamentally true. And, and, and I have sinned against God. I continue to sin against God. And, and that wages of sin is death. This is all true. This is not just this, this idea in religion and this thing that's kind of, you know, I can just pick up and discard a religion here or there. No, this is what is true. And when that dawns on me in my heart, and then I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he died for my sin. That's the belief we're talking about here. And it says when we believe that God raised him from the dead, when we believe the message of Jesus Christ, we are justified. In a sense, we'd call that salvation. Because at that point, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It, being justified means that my sins are paid for by the blood of Christ. But, but God's work isn't done yet because I still have sin and I will have sin until the end of this life. There's this period of time now. And, and God's purpose of salvation is not just that eternal purpose, but it's even now to save us out of darkness save us out of sin, to save us out of being against God, to being people who are reconciled and in relationship with God, enjoying the light of his presence. That is salvation in its fullest, that he is working in our life. And so now we have this second part. With our mouth, with our actions, with everything that is in us to declare Jesus as Lord is part of this saving process that God will continue in our life. The end of uh, the book of John, 
uh, we see uh, Mary Magdalene uh, outside the tomb. The tomb is empty. She's, she's weeping. Where, did, where have they taken my Lord? And, and Jesus meets her there, and she doesn't recognize him at first, uh, thinking he's a gardener maybe. Um, but then that cool moment when he speaks her name, Mary, and then Rabban, Jesus, she knows this is my teacher. This is my Lord Jesus. And we know that he, she must have embraced him at that moment because, because what does he say? I'd, I'd, he says, don't cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father. What a curious thing to say. He's about to ascend to the father. Of course, I'm going to cling to you. <laughs> I've got you for a little bit longer. I think he was on the earth for another 40 days before, before ascending to the father. Why would he say don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. See, earlier he's connected ascending to his father as a good thing. He's talked to his disciples that it's good that I go to the father because then I can send the Holy Spirit, the helper. So I, it's not going to be just Christ in bodily form, but, but to everyone who believes now will have the Holy Spirit leading and guiding and, and through the Holy Spirit, the presence of Christ to be embraced. Christ for us to cling to, Christ for us to hold on to. In our life, every one of us will be able to embrace Christ through the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so it's good that he goes to the Father and then there'll be a time when, yes, embrace me every morning, every day. And, and as, as the Holy Spirit is leading us, it is Christ leading us. So, so when I wake up in the morning and with my mouth declare that Jesus is Lord, not just once for salvation, but every single day and every single moment, my actions are to declare Jesus is Lord. I'm declaring that in relationship to Jesus who is there acting in my life through the power of the Holy Spirit. So as we're looking this morning at what it means to be a servant of God, we're talking about the saving work of God in our life here. God, Jesus is working in our life to lead us out of slavery to sin, to lead us out of darkness into his light. And, and that happens where we are declaring him as Lord in our life. So what does it mean to follow, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to be a servant of Jesus Christ? All those words show up. Look with me in Luke chapter 14. What did Jesus say? Starting in verse 25. It says, Now great crowds accompanied him, Jesus, and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, I know Jesus loves my brothers and sisters and my wife. He's even shown his love towards me. But this is a figure of speech that Jesus is using to show how dedicated, how much the love for him and our service to him and him as Lord in our life needs to be to the extent that we are willing to forsake all in our life. 
everything we hold dear because he is great. This is part of his saving work in our life to lead, this, lead us down the path. And he says in verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the others yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So then, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So the first point, what it is to be a disciple of Christ, to be a servant of Christ, is to forsake all, to be willing to forsake all. What we see in practice is, is often, once we've come to that point where in our heart we've, We've forsaken all with our mouth and with our actions. We have declared him as Lord. We are willing to follow him no matter what. We, we saw that with, with Abraham and Isaac. Abraham trusted God. It, this is an act of faith for us to step away from everything that we hold dear and just follow Christ no matter what is completely an act of faith. That was an act of faith in Abraham. He believed God was going to... His, his idea in his head of how God was going to make it work is he was going to raise his son from the dead. This was the son of promise. He trusted God's purpose, but he's willing to follow God. Have we counted the cost, what it means to follow Christ as our Lord, to be a servant of Christ? In uh, 2005, uh, a lot of things happened in our life that were just evidence and testimony to God doing a work in our family, in our extended family, and me personally. Um, so at the end of 2005, um, I was just getting into video editing, and so I, I, you know, I, I put together this video that was my pile of stones, if, you know, the reference to Joshua, uh, and this, you know, if, when your children see this pile of stones, you know, they will remember what the Lord has done. So that was my pile of stones, a video, a, a modern uh, 2005 uh, pile of stones. Um, I took a little clip out of that video I'd like you guys to see. It's amazing how much a single phone call can affect your life. In October, we received a call from our lawyer informing us that our adoption was being contested. Due to the circumstances of the case, we were told we had a 50% chance. It could go either way. We had a 50% chance of losing Andy. Just Have you ever been faced with losing something or someone close to you? Have you ever found yourself powerless to hold on to or protect what is most dear to you? Elizabeth and I went to the Lord in prayer. Also our family and friends went to the Lord in prayer. We have found out since then that literally hundreds of people were praying for us many whom we don't know. God was working, but all we could see was God working on us. He had an invaluable lesson to teach us. Andy was a gift from God. We knew he was a gift from God, and we were willing to give our lives to protect him. 
God wanted more than that. He wanted us to give Andy completely back to him, no strings attached. It was not enough for our prayer to be, Lord, protect our son and allow him to be kept in the security of our home. Our prayer had to be, Lord, here is our son. We know that your plan is the absolute best for him. Even if it means he has to be taken away, we entrust him to you. I can still remember the day God made that clear to me. It was a few days after the call from our lawyer. I was in the car on my way to work, and through the words of a song on the radio, he made it clear that I needed to give him my son, no matter the cost. Through tears, I said, no, please no, not Andy. God worked on my heart that whole day. Driving back home at the end of the day, the same song came back on the radio, and this time my response was surrender. My child is in your hands. God given you something or someone that you are incredibly blessed by? Can you see that that something or someone is a gift from God? Don't hold on too tightly to what God has given you. When you place that something or someone back into His hands, that's when you find real blessing. Don't hold on too tightly. What a lesson. God impressed on my heart, for sure and continues to impress on my heart. Don't hold on too tightly with what is given. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to, to, at any cost, follow him. Let us see the glory of his goodness. Sometimes we won't get to see it until we're with him. There's things, that answers that won't be uh, given to us until we get to be in his presence. God, Why? Sometimes that's left, but we need to follow him no matter what. He's Jesus. He is the Lord. We confess that in our actions and with our mouth every morning, every day as we follow the Lord. Now, as we follow the Lord, there's, there's this battle in our lives for rule in our lives because Sin still exists. Sin would still have dominion over us and all of the guilt and everything that comes with that. Uh, and the enemy wants to see that in our lives. But, but Jesus is our Lord. And so we see this, this contesting of, of lordship, of dominion in our life that will continue. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. We can see that here. Romans chapter 6 and verse 12 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from, life, from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. 
That position we are in is the truth. You are now under grace. So it's saying, present your members. That's, that, that's everything that is me. We have come out of darkness where our members, which is my mind, it's, it's my emotions, it's my thoughts, it's my actions, it's, it's everything that is me, has been presented to sin, to work against God. And he's saying, now everything should be yielded to your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for righteousness sake. And so the second point then, in order to be a disciple of God, to really follow Jesus as a servant is not only to forsake all, but to yield all. Everything that I am yielded to Christ. So then it says, continuing, in verse 15, what then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, under grace? You see how that misses the point? They, oh, I'm under grace. I can sin all I want. You've missed what salvation is all about. And he says, by no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Either sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. He says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. I love Paul. What are, what are the plain terms, Paul? Uh, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. I think Part of why this is just kind of speaking in human terms is saying, you were slaves to sin. This, this real slavery that you have been bought out of by the blood of Christ. And, and so instead of just letting all of your members be tied up into sin and, and the, the results of that, which is guilt, and, and, and it's and a shame, and it's, that's the world that, that we're coming out of, and the slavery to that. Don't present your members to that anymore. Instead, be slaves to peace. And joy and love. It's almost silly to talk about being a slave to that because it's everything that we can imagine. That it, be a slave to fulfilling the greatest desire that you can possibly fulfill. It's a desire that's only found in God and to be completely satisfied and content. That's what I want you to be a slave to. A slave to righteousness and the fruit that comes out of that. But we can't get there. That's why confessing Jesus as Lord, trusting him in faith, those things that he tells me to do, that I'm going, well, why would I want to do that? God, why in this direction? Why have you done this in my life? God, that's, this is so difficult. This is so painful. What is he doing? He's taking us out of slavery to sin and leading us to, we could call it slavery to righteousness. He's leading us to life. Real life in him. Verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Sure, I didn't have a conscience that would, that would get on my case, but now I've got the Holy Spirit. I can't have fun being bad anymore. Um, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin, 
and become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Sanctification, being made holy, being made righteous. It's only those who are sanctified that can be in close relationship with God. That's the saving work of God, bringing us to a place where we can be reconciled in close, intimate relationship with God and ultimately eternal life. That is his plan for us. So that's the context then of our memory verse. For the wages of sin is death. Investing our members, investing our actions, investing uh, our pride and, and, and everything, uh, our will and, and even our identity into anything that is against God, that the wages of that is death. He wants to save us out of that, which is to say now everything that I am is going to be wrapped up in Christ, my Lord. Even my identity, who I am, is in Christ. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life found in Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's not easy in practice. In fact, it comes up all the time that we face what I'm going to to, uh, invest my members in, whether it's my mind or thoughts or actions. Uh, I just had an opportunity the other day uh, when, you know, at my kid's soccer game, um, I'm not going to speak specific names, but, but when, when you have someone yelling at your child, unjustly yelling at your child, and you see your child is, is somewhat affected by that. He's, it's, it's difficult for him. He's out there playing on the field. You know, a David from years ago might not have sat quiet. But every member of who I am, my actions, my thoughts, needs to be subject to Christ, who calls us to peace, who calls us to self-control. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Yes. And so... Coming out of that, then, I got to see the fruit of righteousness because later I was able to talk to my son and say, I saw that was difficult for you. I'm proud of you on how you responded. And hopefully in me, he can see an example of what it is to serve Jesus, even in difficult situations where we might want to get riled up and fight back so that we can bless those and pray for those who hurt us instead of defending ourselves. We can, we, can, we can depend on our advocate, Christ, instead of defending ourselves. There's so many times every day we're faced with exercising what it means to yield every part of who we are to our Lord Jesus Christ. But the fruit of it is peace and righteousness and life. All right, so then I've got our memory verse <laughs> for today. Romans 12, 1. 
Romans 12, 1. That's, yeah. That's a one. That's not an 11. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. This is a long one. If you can just remember the middle part and to end, that's, that works. Let's say it all together a couple of times. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. One more time. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Whether it's on the soccer field or it's at, in your job, if it's, if it's just how you're going about facing a difficulty in your life, this is an important part of following Jesus as Lord. We saw the example in Paul. Paul introduces himself multiple times as a bondservant of Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus doesn't say you need to be, call yourself a bondservant of Jesus Christ. He actually says, uh, I don't call you a servant, I call you a friend because a servant isn't included in the plans of, of the master. We've been included into the plans of the master. We know and get to see what God is doing as a child. But, but to recognize that we serve Jesus as our Lord, and this is part of the saving process in our life, and it's also recognizing who Jesus is, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Paul just he eats up this, this opportunity that he has to, to call himself a bondservant. And, and he's reaching back into Old Testament there, or, or of that time. Was, there was this idea in the Jewish law, uh, being a, a slave was a real thing. And there's, there's parts of the law that deal with um, slaves. And, and just being in debt could be a reason that you become a slave of someone. And then there was all of these conditions that slaves would be set free. But then there was this provision that, that when it came that time that the slave would be set free, if that slave said, you know what? Life is better in the house of my master. I love my master. I love being a part of that family. I want to be a slave for my whole life. And then they would go through this thing and pierce their ear. And, and this slave would become a bond slave of that family. <laughs> What's Paul saying? Life as a slave to my Lord and Jesus is better than anything else. I want to commit my life to be a slave of his forever. There's no other place I'd rather be. And so he calls himself bond servant, bond slave of Jesus Christ. I can tell you that it is a privilege to say, I am David, bond servant of my Lord Jesus Christ. A sacrifice a living sacrifice to Jesus. If we want to be effective ambassadors for Jesus Christ, he needs to be the one leading the way. We need to be yielded in everything to our Lord. We need to be willing to forsake all to follow Jesus in order to be effective ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And so the last point is that Christ leads the victory. In all things, it is Christ who leads the victory. 
Victory over the enemy in saving sinners. Victory over sin in my own life. Victory in my marriage. Victory in raising my kids. There is the ultimate victory which Jesus will lead to us, which is our hope. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Starting in verse 50, it's a long one. This is our hope. Jesus is leading us to victory now, but there's an ultimate victory that's in view all of the time. And in verse 50, it says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. If you haven't figured it out yet, these bodies we got aren't going to make it. The, the, this, the, the sin that we got going on in our life, that, that's not going to be able to be a part of the eternal state, the eternal glory, the, the, the life that we will ultimately have in Jesus Christ, in the presence of God. This isn't going to make it. Behold, he says, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, that is, we shall not all die physically, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be, will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, the fullness of salvation, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's our hope. As we're frustrated with the presence of sin in our life, we know that there will be a day this body won't be what we're dealing with anymore. There'll be a new body. This sin won't be something we're dealing with anymore because God will completely remove it. Praise the Lord. You guys can go ahead and come up to, to sing. Um, John, not John Partain, but John in the Bible, <laughs> took a picture. He got this cool vision he took a picture. Unfortunately, he didn't have cameras back then, so he took it with words. But he got to see this picture of that glorious state. And we're in it. It's incredible to think that, that he might have seen us in that picture. He didn't know us then. He'll know us eventually. We'll get to know him. But there's this picture where he got to see everyone who's put their faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to read that real quick. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11. Then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. That's Jesus. That's the one we wake up to every morning. In a relationship through the Holy Spirit, we say, reporting for duty, my Lord and Savior. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. 
His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, that's us. That was us there. That is us, going to be us there. He got to see it. Arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has, written, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. What a privilege we have every morning to know God to be known by God, it is worth it to forsake all for him. It is worth it to yield every part of who we are to him. As we worship now, let's just lay everything. If God, if God brought something up in your mind as we're talking about what it is, let's just lay that at his feet right now and worship. Let's worship together. Father, you are the perfect example of a servant to take our sin upon yourself, Jesus. So God, we do fall on our knees before you. God, I pray that this church, God, would glorify you, that we would be a people that are servants of the King. In everything that we do, God, that you would show us what we need to let go of, what we need to open our grip on. God, what we need uh, to yield to you that is not being yielded to you. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy on us. No longer are we under a law to be condemned by our sin, God, but we're under your grace to be freely forgiven. God, we want everything that we are to be for your glory, to serve you. God, to have the fullness of the joy and the life that is found in you as a church, as a body, as individuals. God, we lift up our neighbors. God, we know your purpose that you're leading us to is not just this glorious purpose in our lives, but is a, is a purpose to reach those that need you. God, we pray for that to be effective through us, your glory through us to reach a world that's lost. It's in your holy name, God, that we pray. Amen.